Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Thanks, Ria. Good morning. Yes. My name is Heather, and for those of you who don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, as you walked in today, you likely saw the greenery and the lights and the candles. Yes, so beautiful, right? So simple and beautiful, and um, we can thank Kaylee Burke for that. Yeah. I did warn her that I was going to thank her in front of everyone so she wasn't um, caught off guard. But I think, you know, when you come into a space like this and it's a little bit different and there are these decorations and perhaps some of you decorated before Thanksgiving or maybe you're decorating after or maybe you're the person who doesn't decorate at all. Um, all viable options for Christmas. Um, I think it kind of begs a question when there's these things that change and the question that it is, is what are we doing? Like, what is this season, what is this season for? What is this season for besides shopping and celebrating and, in England, we eat mince pies and skiing? I mean, come on now. Had some snow. Like, what is this season for? We have to ask ourselves that question. And today is December 1st, and as Johnny said, it's the start of Advent, um, the official beginning of the church year. So it's the church's new year. And from December 1st until December 24th, we will, as a community, enter into the story of Advent. Johnny has sent out the Psalms that we're going to be going through and brief description of what Advent is all about, and you can find that on the blog. And it's a story of expectation and long waiting, a story of hope, and a story of presence. It's the story of Jesus. That's what Advent is all about. And this year, during Advent, as a community, we will be looking at the Psalms of Ascent. We started 2019, if you remember, by looking at the Psalms. And so we decided to end 2019 by also looking at the Psalms. And the Psalms of Ascent were prayers the people of Israel would say and sing together as they made their way up towards the temple in Jerusalem. And as they climbed, they prayed. They were seeking God and asking him to meet them, to be present to them. And at the same time, the Psalms of Ascent were preparing the people and reorienting like their hearts and their minds so that they could be awake to God's presence in their midst. And we've kind of done that this morning, singing these songs, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. 
It's a sense for us as we sing this to reorient our minds and our hearts around God. And so that's what these psalms were doing. They were reorienting the people around the story of God. And so like the Psalms of Ascent, um, Advent is about our need and our preparation for God's presence, for God's presence in our midst. And so during this time, we celebrate and we pay attention to the ways that he is already here, moving and active. And it's also about longing and looking forward, looking forward to the ways that he will bring full restoration of God's presence to us as humanity when heaven and earth once again meet. And so I want us to read together because these songs were sang as a collective voice. And so I know that Rhea has read it for us, but now I want us to read this psalm together as a collective voice. So would you read with me the Psalm of Ascent, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we're aware that um, we step into a new season. We, we see it in the shops. We see it and hear it in the songs. And so... As we come here to this place around your table, Spirit, would you show us um, what you want us to be awake to in this season? That we would be attuned to your presence in our midst and that that would happen because of the way that we orient ourselves. And so, Jesus, as we look to this psalm, would you teach us? Would you invite us? Would you call us into being attuned and awake people? that can see and hear and touch and taste you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the psalmist asks a question at the very beginning. Where does our help come from? And that answer comes pretty immediately after our help. Well, my help comes from the Lord. And as the people climbed the steps towards the temple they would remind themselves that God was close at hand. Just as the mountains around Jerusalem were close, so God's presence was close at hand. And that's not something that we have to kind of have a creative imagination for, right? We have these mountains that are close at hand. And they feel exceptional, like they feel even closer when the snow comes, right? Like you could reach out and touch them. I think before I moved here, the most um, profound pictures were these pictures of the city and then it's all surrounded by these mountains and that's similar to Jerusalem. I lift up my eyes to the mountains from where does my help come from? This impressive presence. And then the psalmist says, 
My help comes from the Lord. So the psalmist reminds them that help doesn't come from those imposing pleasant mountains, but from the one who made them. And then the psalmist says, and the Lord, and though that word there is Yahweh, and that's the personal name that God gives himself as he interacts with his people. The help comes from Yahweh, this personal, present God. And it says he doesn't fall asleep and he's not limited by weariness. And so help comes from the one who is wakeful. And so always present in his wakefulness. And then he's the keeper, as we read, by day and by night. And there's illusion there as we read the psalm. And it takes us back to these people who were wandering around in the wilderness. And as they wandered in the wilderness, they had a cloud that represented God's presence and they had fire at night. And so the cloud by day, and you know, us who live in the desert, it's a really good thing when there is a cloud in the wilderness, in the desert, right? I remember going on a walk with some friends and um, there were no clouds in the sky. And it was rather wearying to be trudging around down in the south of this state with the sunshine, you know, kind of get desperate for a bit of cloud. So the cloud by day brings relief. And the fire by night, again, this picture of presence. So day and night, there is this light and guide, both in their actual circumstances, it's like they have relief in the wilderness from the darkness, And so ultimately, as we read this psalm, it's pointing over and over and over again that the people can count on the presence of God and that his presence is watchful and wakeful and caring. And as we hear that, it's deeply encouraging. It's meant to be deeply encouraging. It's this pointing to the ever-present, caring, wakeful God in our midst. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to say that we need help. But that's how the psalm begins. There's a willingness to declare our need for help from this watchful, wakeful, ever-present God. The psalm paints a picture here of human need. And it's very important that we understand how fragile we are because it can move us closer to God. Owning our own fragility can move us closer to God because we're in a position to understand our need for help. We're in a position to be able to cry out of that space for help. But I think it can be hard for us as humans to be willing to admit that we need help. Is it hard for you? Is it hard for you to admit where you need help? Is it hard for you to admit and name the help that you need? This psalm 
as a reminder for us. But it's what we need to do. And then in verse 7, it says, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This statement, the Lord will keep you from all evil. I think we should talk about that because we have all kinds of ideas in our brains when we talk about evil. The first thing that came to my mind when I was thinking about evil were, it's kind of random, but um, there are these gargoyles in England that live on Gothic buildings. Um, and whenever you're walking around, if you look up, there are all the gargoyles. And I asked Haley to put some pictures. There they are. Top of the building is a gargoyle. Are there any more? See another picture? Yes, check it out. And there was an intention in the architecture. The reason that they put those gargoyles on the side of buildings, these scary faces, oftentimes these things that are protruding out of the building, they have wings or they have like open mouths. They're supposed to look like really scary. And the reason that they put those on castles or on old buildings or on churches was to ward off evil spirits. That's the reason why they were crafted and cast and architecturally built into the building. The intention was the reality of evil in our world and perhaps these things will ward off the evil spirits. It's going to keep evil away. And for us, maybe that sounds a little superstitious or a bit antiquated or, you know, those are just like weird bits of concrete with mouths open. Like, how is it going to ward off evil? But we, we all have these ideas that come to mind or things that we do, uh, maybe literature or art or music that kind of give us these depictions of evil and ways to ward off that evil or ways to kind of battle with that evil. And so it's important when we think about evil and when the Bible talks about evil that we look within the literary narrative of the Bible itself to give us understanding about what it's talking about. So when here it says, it will keep us from all evil, we look to the text to reveal to us what is meant by evil. And in the biblical text, evil is most often associated with darkness and with death. And this literary idea that unfolds throughout the text is that God creates, and what he creates is good. And then evil wants to unravel it. Take everything back into a state of chaos and darkness. Kind of that picture in Genesis of the beginnings where you have darkness and chaos that is over everything. And so the intent of evil through the narrative of the, of the text is they would kind of bring, unravel that which is created and good and take everything back to that same kind of chaos and disorder and darkness. And within the text, there is a corrupt entity, the one that stands against. And that corrupt entity drives behaviors. And it introduces violence and chaos that leads to suffering and it brings disaster. And distress. And again, consistently the way that it brings, this one that is against the way that it brings that disaster and distress, is through death and darkness and chaos. 
And so when we read, the Lord will keep you from all evil, when I read it, I was like, oh, in light of the story, that doesn't feel true. Because there is a lot of darkness and chaos in the narrative itself. The people singing this psalm had a lot of chaos that led to suffering and darkness in their lives. There are people who ended up with a smashed temple. Nations like Babylon and Assyria and Persia and Rome came in, took over, occupied, led them out. This is distressing and suffering. We had a whole series on that and there was lament that came out of that. They have had plenty that has been perpetuated and done against them. And they are people themselves who failed to take care of the vulnerable in their midst. It was their mandate and they failed to do it. And instead they stopped, swapped the ways of Yahweh, this personal God, for the people around them and they did grievous acts to the people around them. They were the ones themselves that brought chaos and darkness into the lives of other people. And here they're singing that the Lord will keep them from all evil. And so this text has to mean something deeper than the Lord keeps evil away. Like those gargoyles. The text has got to mean that there is something deeper that is being said here than the Lord keeps evil away. Because the people living and singing this song, that's not their life experience. They have both experienced it and perpetuated it. And we have too. We still do. We experience it and we perpetuate it. And so then what does being kept mean? It must be important because the psalmist says that Yahweh is the keeper. And then in seven verses, he says it six times. Yahweh is your keeper, keeps you, keeper, keeps you, keeps, keeps, keeps. And you're like, all right, I'm getting that this is a kind of important concept because you keep repeating it. And Kyle, at the beginning of the year, Kyle was the planter who planted this church here in Salt Lake City. And he felt called to move away to California at the beginning of this year. And before he left, he preached this psalm to us, if you'll remember. Some of you might. And he gave a blessing that came out of preaching this psalm. And that blessing came from Numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you, Missio, is what he said over us. And it makes sense that he would pray and bless us with God's keeping of us. Because as a man who feels deep love and affection for this city, and as a man who feels deep love and affection for us, it was the cry of his heart that we would be kept as God's people in this city. And so he prayed that blessing over us. And I remember talking about that after Kyle blessed us and read this and preached this psalm over us the last time he preached here at Missio, and I remember going to the house church and talking about it as a house church. Like, what, what does that mean? And many people in the house church talked about that that word kept really resounded 
with them, and so we discussed it. And um, this week, I talked to a friend of mine, Daniel, who I'm in house church with, and we talked about that word because that word is something that as I've spent time with him, he's reflected back to me pretty consistently since Kyle left, that he himself has felt kept by the presence of God. And that that psalm and that moment of Kyle's blessing was a word that he took hold of, that was language that has meant something to him, about feeling and being kept by God. And as we've talked over the months, I'd say in our conversations, it's been the process of learning for both of us that being kept is me is this process of learning for both of us that God is close in what often feels like the chaos of our lives. And the Psalms of Ascent were prayed, and as they were prayed, the people made their way upwards to the temple, as I said. And they believed that God was waiting for them in the temple. And he was. It was true. God declared that his presence was there for them. And they were going up to him in order to be close. And the good and unexpected news of Advent is that God came to us in Jesus. God's presence is experienced in his downward movement towards us as opposed to our upward ascent towards him. And in that downward movement, in our reception of him, receiving the gift of himself, that's him being close in our midst. And the passage that is most often read in the New Testament that reflects what it is that this psalm of ascent is wanting to capture our imagination with can be found in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, Jesus. And the word was with God. The word was already there. Christ was there in the beginning. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and things were made through him. Nothing was made that has been made without him. He's the creator of the mountains. Where does my help come from? The God who made heaven and earth. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Without Him, nothing has made that has been made. Verse 4, life was in Him, and that life was the light for all people. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus, by contrast, death and darkness, brings life and light. John 1 says that the darkness is passing away because the light shines, verse 5, present tense, meaning that no matter how dark the darkness is and feels, it has not overcome the light. And then in verse 14, maybe the most well-known section of John 1, and the word, Jesus the one who brings life and light, became flesh and dwelt among us. 
Jesus, in contrast to the one that we talked about who stands against and drives chaos and darkness and death, Jesus, in contrast, is the one who comes to be with us in the chaos and the darkness. He's close. His incarnational presence. Which is why his downward movement towards us and us receiving of him is our keeping. That is our keeping. His presence is what keeps us in the midst of the chaos. In verse 12 of John chapter 1, it says, To all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God, known, loved, and kept for now and for always. presence of Christ, the word who was, who keeps us in the midst of the dark because he brings light and there's nothing that extinguishes that light. And so his presence accompanies us. He's close. There's a woman by the name of Ada Hebisham and she was born in 1861 in London. I like to listen back to people who have come before us. And this woman is um, yeah, someone that came to mind as I was thinking of these passages. And she wrote hymns. She was a prolific poet and writer. She taught the Old Testament. And um, one day there was a gentleman and he said, would you write us some hymns? And so she was very forthcoming and she wrote 200 hymns. <laughs> Solid lady, I'd say. And she was asked at one moment to, to write a song for someone after one of these big kind of gatherings where there was some teaching happening. Somebody had come up to the man who was teaching and said he felt fearful, fearful of the dark. And so this man, man wrote a letter to Ada in London and said, can you write a, a hymn about that so that we can sing it in these gatherings? And so she wrote this hymn. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the darkness would prevail, he can hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold he will hold me fast. For my love, it grows cold. Christ will hold me fast. I am precious. I'm his delight. He will hold me fast. He'll not let myself be lost. Christ will hold me fast. Bought by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. He will hold me fast, for my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. Jesus comes to hold fast to us. 
He entered in and he enters in. We're not abandoned. We're not left alone. It's not up to our own strength and capacity. He is in it with us. And it is in receiving his incarnational presence that we are kept not from all the chaos that is thrown our way, but in it. And ultimately, we're looking towards the full restoration of God's presence on earth as it is in heaven. And until then, we're kept by his presence. His presence in us. His presence through us. His presence with us. And his spirit forms us into a people, a people of presence. And when we become that people of his presence, we participate in that keeping work. We keep each other. We keep each other when we pray together. We keep each other when we sing together. We keep each other when we come to this table together when we enter into each other's joy and pain in community, we do the work of keeping. We participate in the practice of keeping, reminding each other that we are kept, that Christ holds us fast. And I went to Thanksgiving with some really dear people this year, always usually with dear people, but... I like to say that the people I'm around are very dear to me. And these people are dear to me. And all throughout the night, we would give a toast. Different people would give toasts at different times, kind of at the beginning and the end of the evening. We're toasting different things. But the person, the gentleman at the very end of the night who gave the very last toast, he toasted to God's presence in our midst. And I just want to say to you, Miss Yo, that that's what this season of Advent is for. It's for toasting. What are we toasting? God's watchful, wakeful presence in our midst. Through Jesus. That's what we're toasting. That's what this season is about. Christ's presence in our midst, the keeper, the one who holds us fast. And you may need help to believe that. You may struggle with doubt. You may need help to receive the reality of Christ. You may have never done that in your life, trusted Christ. You can do that today. You may need help receiving Christ maybe for the hundredth time. You may need help to recapture the wonder of what this season is all about. And you may need help to trust or toast or be awake to the presence of Christ in our midst. You might need help, Missio. And that's okay. It's okay that you might need help in this season. Lift up your eyes to the mountains. 
From where does your help come? Comes from the Lord. Yahweh, Christ, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you made the downward descent in order to be close and that your closeness is what keeps us and that closeness doesn't depend on our faithfulness on our goodness or even on our ability to to be awake to you but that closeness is a hundred percent true because of who you are and that you hold us fast and that's what keeps us And so I pray in this season of Advent that we would be a people that are quick to call out for help. Help when we need to be reminded of your presence in our midst. Help when we need faith to toast your goodness when it feels dark. Help to celebrate in ways that produce joy in us. Help to be a community that reflects back to each other that we are kept by you. And so I pray that during this season, when we do look up to the mountains, that we be reminded. Reminded that you are close. That you enter in. And that you keep us. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll continue worshiping as we come to this table. Christ's blood was shed for us, his body broken, and so we come to this table in remembrance of that. So come alone or come with people. Speak your prayers. Speak your fragility. Ask for help. Come to the people on the side who would love to pray for you. Be in this with you. As we sing and pray together, Missio, let's worship the one who is close.